Chapter 21. The World's First Trillionaire. Commences with a quote by Thomas Fuller. Riches enlarge rather than satisfy appetites. King Solomon, the third king over the United Kingdom of Israel and Judah, reigned about 3,000 years ago. Financial analysts say that the likes of Carlos Slim and Bill Gates have easily surpassed Solomon's wealth. However, like Rockefeller, whose billion-dollar empire in 1916 would be worth over $300 billion today, Solomon actually owned a far greater portion of the entire world's wealth in his day than any of today's tycoons could ever expect to achieve. Solomon's personal percentage of global wealth would outweigh the assets of many entire nations. According to 1 Chronicles 22 verse 14, Solomon's father, King David, left his son a hundred thousand talents of gold and one million talents of silver just to help with a single project, the construction of the temple. Weights and measures can vary greatly over time, but it's generally accepted that one Hebrew talent weighed approximately 30 to 34 kilograms, that's 66 to 75 pounds. So the value of these two metals alone, more than 3,000 tons of gold and more than 30,000 tons of silver, was phenomenal. Without even considering the value of the silver, bronze, iron, timber and other materials provided, the gold alone would be worth well in excess of 100 billion today. Solomon may well have been the world's first and only trillionaire. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, we read, God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions or honour, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, possessions and honour, such as no king who was ever before you ever had, and none after you will have. Three verses later, we're told that Solomon made silver and gold as common as stones. He was a very blessed and successful guy. What defines success in today's world? What degree of success would it take for you to be satisfied? If you were a huge success, blessed beyond your wildest dreams, where would you live? What would you drive? What would your home look like? Where would you vacation? To get our imaginations whirring, let's interview King Solomon, author of Ecclesiastes. He's about 80 years of age, sprightly and intelligent. He's made some very serious errors of judgment in the last couple of decades due to his overabundance of wives and wealth and is keen to share his experiences with anyone wanting to gain pleasure and avoid pain. So, King Solomon, welcome to the very first episode of Who Wants to Be a Trillionaire? The show where we'll be giving everyday people a chance to be just like you. This show is being beamed live into more than 300 million homes worldwide. Let's start with a bit of a bio. What have you achieved in life? Oh, I did great things. Built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks and planted a variety of fruit trees in them. Made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me even more slaves. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than anyone before me. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song and, most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. 
Right, well, that's quite a list of accomplishments. How did you... Sorry, I'm not done yet. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors far behind. Left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. So you were richer than anyone else in history? Absolutely. That's what it's about, isn't it? Making sure you get more than everyone else around you. That must have brought you a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Well, actually, it didn't. I took a good look at everything I'd done, looked at all the sweat and hard work, but when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. Oh, um, alrighty then, I think we'll cut to a break. What about you? Would you be satisfied if you had achieved and owned all of Solomon's splendour? Based on the evidence, the answer is most probably no. The only person who ever had that sort of wealth and accomplishments tells us very clearly that he wasn't anywhere near satisfied with it. The more we rely on external motivators for our satisfaction, the more it reduces our ultimate satisfaction, because satisfaction doesn't come from outside us. The English clergyman and writer Thomas Fuller hit the nail squarely when he said, riches enlarge rather than satisfy appetites. The asset grab is like chasing after the wind. It's here today, but gone tomorrow. The circle of life going around and around, or as Solomon described it, life's a corkscrew that can't be straightened. Let's get back to our interview and hope that he doesn't turn off our ambitious, goal-oriented viewers. Welcome back to Who Wants to Be a Trillionaire? I'm talking with the namesake of our show, King Trillionaire Solomon. And don't we all want to be like him? Back to you, Solomon. What drove you to gain your superhuman wealth? I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spent on this earth. Well, that's certainly a worthy goal. What did you find out? I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. Well, obviously you can't be talking about all the cool stuff that you got. The houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, lakes, slaves, herds, flocks, silver, gold, singers, and voluptuous maidens. They certainly aren't meaningless. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. That's the shot. Who out there wants to be in a position where you don't need to deny yourself a single thing that you desire? Oh yeah, Solomon, please carry on. This is priceless. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. That's what I'm talking about, just got to be better off than our peers. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Hold on, are you saying that because all these things are in your words uh, meaningless, that our viewers shouldn't have them or pursue them? Uh, actually, I think we should take another break. So is that what Solomon was saying? I personally don't think he was being universally damning of these beautiful blessings. These things are meaningless, yes, but they're not inherently bad or evil. They are inherently transitive and temporary. They do pass away. They will fail to provide a permanent basis for happiness, contentment, fulfillment, purpose or satisfaction. But they can and do give temporary pleasure. And these are not bad things to enjoy. In fact, Solomon encourages us to find pleasure in the blessings of life and to know that they are from God. But they do not, 
and cannot ultimately satisfy us. Most of us can't have anything approaching the sum of our desires, or at least the desires that the media encourages us to chase. Therefore, it is tempting and very nearly universally done to assume that the key to happiness and contentment must lie in the possession of one of those other things that we don't have. This is an obvious conclusion if the stuff we already have isn't giving us the satisfaction and happiness we desire. It must be found in one of the other things. It's dangerous, isn't it? In fact, this chasing after more, more, more is far more dangerous on an individual, societal, environmental and global scale than we might care to admit. Maybe in the year 2050, should time last, all glossy advertisements for consumer goods will have a compulsory footnote. Warning, the best things in life aren't things. Or maybe, caution, the joy depicted on the face of the models does not come with the product advertised. How about, warning, consuming causes earth cancer. And maybe all toy packaging will include a mandatory statement in bold, batteries and happiness not included. Deep inside, we all know that money can't really buy happiness. And Solomon tells us that real happiness does not come with our next purchase, next year's vacation, the completion of great projects, many lovers, power or praise, or even great learning. So why do we seem to continually seek all this stuff with ever-increasing determination? 